This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for October 8, 2020. A TikTok video warns about a way to prevent you from finding a stolen iPhone. A security issue with Apple's T2 chip can't be patched. A reminder that Flash Player is really going away. And what might be announced at Apple's upcoming event? Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. It's episode 156 of the Intego Mac Podcast. That means it's three years, Josh. Three years we've been doing this. Wow. That's, that's kind of a long time, isn't it? It is. It is. And, a lot of podcasts to, don't make it past uh, even episode 100, and here we are, 156 episodes in. And we're going strong. We've got a bright future ahead of us, and we were just talking before the show about um, some new innovations that we might be exploring in the coming months. Three years is a lot of podcasting. It's a lot of news. It's a lot of opinion. It's a lot of, well, hot air, uh, particularly because you always have this problem with your MacBook Pro overheating and the fans going on a lot. If our listeners knew all of the things that Josh does to keep the fans from going on on his MacBook Pro, he's got a little um, fan blowing air next to it. Sometimes, have you ever used ice packs? Because that might be the easiest solution. I've tried that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't get a break. (laughs) Like, I can't really have the air conditioning on because then that's creating background noise that I don't want showing up on the recording. I can't really have, like, my desk fan blowing air on on the laptop for the same reason. So, uh, So that means that the laptop's fans start kicking into high gear sometimes uh, when we're a little ways into recording. And we're pretty sure that this is because you keep thousands of browser tabs open in Chrome or the version of Chrome that you use is not the actual Chrome, is it? Uh, yeah, well, I, I use Chrome Canary mostly. That's kind of my my main browser. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it it could be somewhat related to having a lot of tabs open. Um, however, I've even tried quitting Chrome completely before when recording in the past. And uh, that uh, it still hasn't entirely helped with the fan noise issue. So if any listener has an idea, drop us a, an email at podcast at intego.com or um, go to the show page and leave a comment. We'd like to resolve this for Josh. It's really a problem. <laughs> uh, I was saying to Josh before we started recording, he would be the perfect person to get one of these ARM-based MacBook Pros or whatever Apple's going to call the laptops because they use less energy um, which means they're going to heat up a lot less. So we don't know when Apple's going to announce that. They said sometime before the end of the year. We might actually see it coming in next week's Apple event. We're going to talk about that in the second part of the show. I, I want to start with something that Josh found that was really interesting. A listener sent in a TikTok video about uh, protecting your iPhone from being stolen. It's not actually preventing it from being stolen, but it's preventing people from doing anything with it if they steal it. Right. This video is kind of interesting. It it, it shows um, it, it took me a few times watching this to like figure out what they were trying to claim about preventing your iPhone from being stolen. What they really mean is that if somebody grabs your phone from you, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to put it into airplane mode to prevent you from being able to remote wipe it or whatever else you might want to do uh, to prevent them from being able to use your phone. 
when your screen is locked, by default, you can access the control center, meaning that you can swipe from the, the top right uh, down and uh, and then you can get to the airplane mode. You can turn it on anytime, even if you have not unlocked the device with face ID or touch ID. Um, so that's potentially a problem because now any crook can just kind of, you know, uh, swipe down, turn on airplane mode, and they then they can get away with your device. They can get away with your device for a while. Um, what they have to do is erase the device before it goes back online because if you have uh, used Find My iPhone to uh, lock the device or erase it, then that would it, not only does it erase the phone, but it makes it unusable in that case. Um, so in the video, the person shows basically in the um, face ID and passcode settings, there are a number of things that you can uh, allow access when locked. And Josh said to me earlier, it's like, I didn't know that so many of these things were on by default. Control center is one of them. Um, I have a few of them turned off. I have the today view turned off because that shows uh, you know, what my appointments are. I have reply with message turned off because if you leave that on, someone can reply to a message without necessarily it being you. Um, I have wallet turned off and I have return missed calls turned off. But what I found when we were discussing this is also, even if you hide control center so someone can't access the airplane mode button, they can still activate airplane mode by saying to Siri, activate airplane mode. So you also want to turn off Siri access when locked. Now, if you're using Siri, you kind of want it on when locked. So this is a, this is a tough balancing act. We'll put a link in the show notes to this TikTok video. And one thing I noticed is that the person doesn't have Siri in the settings when the person shows these settings. So presumably the person doesn't even have Siri on on the phone. Um, I mm. do have Siri on, and I don't use Hey Siri. I press and hold the power button to invoke Siri when I need it. Right. So here's my recommendation for people. If you if you want to go the, the most secure way of doing this. I don't know if we've mentioned before. I feel like we might have talked about this a while back on the show. But USB accessories, I actually have that one turned off. Uh, I had it off already because I don't want somebody to be able to plug something into my phone when it's locked, right? And and have that thing be able to do whatever because then devices like the the gray key that uh, you know the law enforcement and potentially bad guys who steal that device from law enforcement could use to break into your phone in some cases. Um, I don't want those kind of devices to be able to have access to my phone when it's locked. But as I'm looking through this list. Um, I, I realized, you know, even the few things that I had turned on, there's really no reason for me to have any of these things on. So I would just suggest try this out because, you know, if you've got a device with face ID, um, you know, unless you're wearing a mask in a public place, you're really not going to be in that many situations where when you bring up your phone in front of your face, it's just going to unlock automatically. And so you don't really need to have control center, uh, USB accessories, today view, even notification center, like those things don't really need to be on at all because as soon as you bring the phone up to your face, it automatically gets unlocked and then you can view all that stuff from your lock screen. I like having notification center because my phone's on my desk when I'm working and there'll be a notification maybe for something that I'm not going to get on my computer and I'll glance at it and I'll see it and I, I'm not going to pick up the phone to look at it. 
doesn't happen often, but it did happen this morning. I'm working on a project and I got a notification from a Slack board that I'm on um, that I wouldn't have seen on my computer um, as quickly. So it depends on your usage. I wish there was one setting to turn all these things off when you go out. Oh, I see. Like when you're out of the house. Well, when you leave your house, your office, wherever it is, I, I have just started dabbling in iOS shortcuts. I was just going to say shortcuts might actually have a way for that. To be yeah. So I, I wanted to do something, and, and this is a really particular thing. I speak French and English, and I read books in French, and sometimes I look at them on Amazon France, and I want to see how much they cost on Amazon UK. They can often be less expensive. So if I'm on my iPhone or iPad, I'm on Amazon France. I have to go into the address bar and edit the address. So instead of .fr, it's .co.uk. Since the Amazon URLs are the same, except for the, the top-level domain, it will automatically show me the same item in Amazon UK. So I figured, well, hey, I can just make a shortcut that will automatically just parse that URL, do a find, replace. Because you know how hard it is to edit in the Safari um, address bar? you know, to position the cursor just right. Yeah. And so that got me into the whole idea of what else can be done with iOS shortcuts. Um, one thing that iOS shortcuts can do is they can activate when you arrive at or leave a place. Right. So when you get out of range of your home Wi-Fi network, for example, it could activate somehow. So if any listeners are more savvy about iOS shortcuts than I, so pretty much anyone who knows anything about iOS shortcuts, um, <laughs> let us know if you think this is possible, because this would be interesting. Okay, Apple had an update, and they had to pull the update. And I don't know how many times this has happened recently, but we've discussed this sort of issue a couple of times. This was the um, Safari 14 and security updates for macOS Mojave. What I find so uh, terrible about this is that it took Apple an entire week after these updates came out, before they finally pulled the updates. So here's a list of things that people said that they experienced when they installed the Mojave security update in Safari 14. They said that they experienced memory issues, slow boot times, finder stalling, numerous system.log uh, entries, uh, crashes when attempting to use migration assistant, and other problems. So like that's kind of a lot of potentially serious and frustrating issues. And it took Apple an entire week before they finally pulled the latest security updates uh, from Mojave. So um, this is this is not so good from a quality control perspective. We mentioned recently about updates that you should maybe not update as soon as the update comes out, just in case. But on the other hand, these have security updates. So you want to update as soon as possible because you're protecting your operating system. It's just quality assurance, isn't it? They're not testing enough. They're—I don't know—are they beta testing? Do they? I don't even know that they beta test updates for the previous operating system. There's constantly betas for the current and the forthcoming operating system, but I don't know if they publicly release betas for a previous operating system. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I'm trying to re remember whether I've seen that. I, I don't normally install the the operating system betas myself, so I, I can't answer that off the top of my head, but. Uh, it, it's definitely the case, though, that it is important to release these updates to developers, at the very least, so that they can try these things out um, before they get into the hands of the general public. 
Okay, another Apple issue is, you know that T2 security chip on Macs that's supposed to be like the big thing that protects us um, for Touch ID, for File Vault, etc.? Well, apparently it can be hacked to plant malware and cannot be patched. And oh my God, the sky is falling. But... Yeah, okay. <laughs> so... Yes, this is a problem. And uh, it's it is scary that this can't be patched. And the reason why it can't be patched is because there's some read only code in the T2 chip um, where the problem lies. Uh, and so some researchers have uh, discovered that they can use some exploits that were initially used for jailbreaking iOS devices, and they can reuse these exploits um, to attack the T2 security chip that's in all recent Macs from the past several years. And so, yeah, it's kind of a problem because now anybody who has physical access to any recent Mac um, can more easily break into that Mac. Um, Physical access. W- yeah. Well, and, and if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that we often will tell people that if someone has physical access to your devices, whether it's a Mac or iOS or anything else, basically assume that all bets are off because they're going to find some way to break into it if they've got physical access to it. So... I mean, it is it is a problem. I'm not trying to minimize that. I just uh, think that people need to consider what the risks are. This is maybe potentially an issue for you if you are uh, someone who's a high-value target. Maybe you're a journalist um, who travels a lot. Um, in particular, I think that's where this is uh, potentially a big problem is when you're traveling to countries where there's an oppressive regime or whatever, and they might be actually trying to hack into people's devices at checkpoints and things like that. Um, if you're not the kind of person who's doing that kind of travel and you keep your devices with you all the time, you probably don't have too much to worry about with this. And according to a blog post from Iron Peak, which is a security firm that discovered this, macOS devices are no longer safe to use if left alone, even if you have them powered down. The root of trust on macOS is inherently broken. Um, they can brute force your File Vault 2 volume password. They can alter your macOS installation, and they can load arbitrary kernel extensions. I think the most worrisome thing there is the File Vault 2 password because um, your data is strongly encrypted, and if someone does brute force that password, then they can access anything. Right. Yeah, actually, this is why it's so important to make sure that you have a really good, unique password uh, for when you log into your computer, because exactly for this reason, File Vault 2 protects your data as it rests on your device. So make sure you're using a really good password. Okay, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about Apple's event next week, which is going to present the iPhone 12. You already know that Intego loves Macs. After all, Intego has been making world-class Mac security software since 1997. But did you know that Intego Antivirus is also available for Microsoft Windows? If you've got Windows running on your Mac, either in Boot Camp or in a virtual machine like Parallels, VMware, or VirtualBox, make sure to protect it from malware just like you protect macOS with Intego Security Software. Intego Antivirus for Windows is also a great solution for your friends and family members with Windows PCs. 
Download a free trial of Intego Antivirus for Windows today. And when you're ready to buy, use the link in the show notes for a special discount. Don't use Windows? Don't worry. We've still got a great deal for you. First-time buyers of Mac Premium Bundle X9 can get Intego's powerful Mac security and utility suite at an incredible 40% savings by using coupon code PODCAST20 at checkout. Intego, makers of the best protection software for Mac and now for Windows, too. Okay, I don't know how many times we've said on the show that Flash is dead, but Flash is dead. Um, Flash will officially be dead at the end of the year. Flash is already dead in Safari 14. The UK National Cybersecurity Center is warning people to not disable updates in order to continue to use Flash Player after the end of the year. Now, I don't know how many people actually have need for Flash Player in anything. We've talked about this many times, but... The worst thing to do is disable security updates for either a browser, a computer, a mobile device. Well, yeah, exactly. I can't imagine that there's that many people who are so reliant on Flash that they're already like thinking ahead and like figuring out, oh, what can I do to make sure that I can still use Flash after December? Like, (laughs) are people really doing this? Do they even need to like put out this security alert? We thought it was worth mentioning just because, you know, I want to make sure that all of our listeners really understand Flash is dead, okay? Don't don't use Flash. Uh, if you've got it installed, make sure to uninstall it properly. And uh and you you know, if if a website that you rely on uses Flash, talk to the creator of the website and tell them you got to stop using Flash like there's you got like 2 months until the end of the year and nobody can use Flash at all in any browser anymore. So, it's it's done. Um, also, the other reason that I, I always want to remind people not to use Flash is because, of course, there's all these fake Flash player uh, bits of malware for Mac. That's probably the most common type of uh, Trojan horse on the Mac is fake Flash player installers or updaters. So if you see anything like that, don't install it. Okay, another quick note. Um, The IP Storm botnet has expanded from Windows to Android, Mac, and Linux. A botnet is when malicious software is installed on a lot of computers and it's controlled from a central server and it's used to maybe attack other people in the denial of service attack, to send spam, to host files, etc. Apparently, they say there's 13,500 infected systems. That's not a lot. Um, uh, The flashback Botnet, I think, infected several hundred thousand right. Macs some years ago. Um, but this is kind of rare that something like this gets on a Mac, isn't it? Yeah. So it is interesting. Uh, and, and we thought it was worth mentioning. Of course, um, if you have Intego uh, Mac security software um, or our Windows security software as well, uh, they will protect you from this malware. Um, and so it's not something you need to be too worried about as long as you're using antivirus uh, protection, of course. But uh, but yeah, it is interesting to see more malware developers expanding to support Mac as well. <laughs> um, it's not just uh, Windows malware anymore. There's, we're seeing a lot more Mac malware, uh, Android and Linux malware also. Um, and uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a thing. Okay. Apple's got an event next Tuesday on the 13th. I'm going to place a bet with you, Josh. I'm going to bet they're going to announce the iPhone 12. (laughs) Yeah, I think probably uh, (laughs) 99.9% of the world would agree with you that that's exactly what this event is primarily about. Yes. 
I know. So in their invitation uh, to the press, they say, hi, speed. So that's H-I comma speed. Hi, speed. Hi, speed. Uh-huh. Um, because we're obviously going to see some 5G iPhones, aren't we? Uh, yeah, that's, that's what people believe. So I, you know, it's definitely an iPhone event. Okay. We, we, we know that because this is the time of year that they release a new iPhone and, uh, what else could it possibly be? And already it's been delayed. Um, yeah, exactly. And the high comma speed sort of seems to imply that, uh, it's 5g because, you know, 5g is theoretically capable of faster speeds. Um, and, uh, so that's probably the main thing that they're going to be talking about at this event. There probably will be some other things too, but, um, we thought it'd be kind of fun to just play a little bit with some of the rumors here and, and, uh, what we would like to see in the next iPhone. Okay. So let's start with 5g. I think we're going to talk about this in a few weeks. Um, 5g is a broad range of speeds. And if you have masts really close together, um, I think it's millimeter wave 5G. You can get really fast speeds. But if we just use the existing 4G mast, it's only a little bit faster. Uh, there's there's 5G. There are multiple flavors of 5G. And the rumors are suggesting that only the higher end models of the iPhone 12 will get the really fast 5G. But it depends on if you have 5G where you live. Um, I know here... 5G's rolled out in a couple of big cities, but it's, there's still a ways to go to get 5G everywhere. Yeah, and I, it's funny because I actually saw a report recently that um, said that they tried 5G in a bunch of different areas and found that in some cases, LTE is faster than 5G, at least currently based on existing cell towers, which kind of makes sense. I mean, 5G is just starting to roll out. Um, and there are definitely some areas where you don't really have good 5G coverage. And so it's still, uh, LTE is still going to be the thing that you're on in a lot of places, uh, across the world. So it, it's, it's sort of, it's always a chicken and egg thing. Like whenever there's, there's new, uh, wireless technology, you have to have it implemented in both the devices and the cell towers. So, um, you know, you've, you've got to have it in both places. So it doesn't hurt that Apple is finally, some would argue, finally putting this into an iPhone um, because now it's going to be compatible with the next gen network that all these companies are trying to roll out. You know, the latest iPhones also have Wi-Fi 6, but um, not many people have Wi-Fi 6 hardware. So there is a big lag between the introduction of the support in devices before it becomes relatively widespread. So they're talking about three different sizes with an iPhone 12 mini. So this is going to be like the older iPhone 5S size, right? Pre-iPhone 6. And then the medium size and the larger size. Um, I have the current iPhone 11 normal, so that's the medium size, and the Pro is the bigger one. But some of the rumors suggest that the two uh, medium and large ones will both be Pro models. Um, They're talking about three cameras on those and two cameras on the Mini. I want to see a better camera sensor. I know that a lot of what makes a good photo is in the software, but it's still only a 12-megapixel sensor. And as someone who is into photography, that is really not sufficient today. Yeah. I, you know, for me, I, the, the camera is good enough. I mean, I, I, I don't mind and I'm not a professional photographer. And, and so I'm not usually in situations where I really need like the most, you know, um, amazing camera technology. 
Um, but for, for me, one of the things that I think would be really interesting to see is, is whether Apple does what I've seen a couple of rumors about and actually puts touch ID on the power button. Um, because you know, everyone's masking up these days. And so when you're out in public, uh, it, it, it can be sometimes, um, maybe not the best situation to pull down your mask just so you can unlock your phone. And you probably don't always want to just leave your phone unlocked in your pocket whenever you're in public because that drains your battery and other things. And uh, so I'm curious to see whether they actually are are going to do this to add touch ID. So it'll have touch ID and face ID on the, on the same phone. That would be really cool. I think. Right. So one of the recent iPads has Touch ID on the power button, but doesn't have Face ID. Um, now, one of the problems I see, I'm going to show you my um, iPhone here, is I have a case and the case covers the power button. So if they're going to have Touch ID on the power button, the cases have to not cover the buttons. Some do and some don't. Um, right. But I, I think that's very important. I would like to have Touch ID, actually, um, not just for mask use, but sometimes it's easier to, to unlock a phone with touch ID than it is to bring it up to your face. I think face ID is miraculous, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> but it would be nice to have touch ID as well. So another rumor is AirPods Studio. Um, last week, Apple removed all third-party headphones and speakers from the online Apple store. So it's clear that they're going to be uh, – what I'm thinking is they're going to start getting rid of the Beats brand and go into AirPods as the – the broader brand of Apple headphones. Um, AirPods Studio would be noise canceling, you know, high end AirPods. And there's rumors of a smaller HomePod as well. Yeah, a smaller and cheaper HomePod. And, and yes. that's, that's one of the things that I think a lot of people have complained about with the HomePod is that it just, it's too expensive and it doesn't make sense for me because of that. Especially when you want to have the functionality where multiple HomePods can all work together in the same room. Um, I mean, how many people are going to want to spend that kind of money to get multiple HomePods at the existing price? So having a lower price HomePod, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, and, uh, if it has most of the same functionality and most of the same quality, um, I think that could be a much better seller for Apple potentially than the current HomePod. Yeah. The HomePod is a kind of, it's just a not quite right device because it's not the best sounding speaker of its size. In my opinion, the Sonos one is much cheaper and sounds better, but if they bring the price down of the HomePod, that gets close. But the problem with the HomePod is it's Siri only. So people who are going to get a smart speaker more often want an opportunity to use Alexa or maybe Google's assistant and not just Siri. A lot of these other speakers do. So my Sonos ones, they have Alexa. They might even be able to use the Google. So I think the problem with Apple is that by keeping everything in their walled garden, which they're going to do, they're not going to bring Alexa in on the HomePod, is they limit the popularity of the device. Um, the other big thing is, of course, Mac OS Big Sur. Uh, I think we're pretty close to release. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's released the day of the event or the following day. Apple did say that they would be um, releasing the first ARM-based Macs before the end of the year, and this seems like October is when they announce it. Um, maybe it's not going to ship right away. Maybe it's going to ship in November. Maybe it's going to ship in the last week of December. Uh, those of you who remember the previous Mac Pro, the trash can Mac Pro, I think it shipped on December 30th of the year because it had to be before the end of the year. I'm looking forward to that because I want to upgrade my 21-inch iMac. Um, Josh is looking forward to it because an ARM-based processor might not 
run the fans all the time since it uses less power. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, are, are we not going to talk about air tags? Air tags might finally become a thing. Yeah, I know. And also the what, the air power multiple charging thing and the people have been the talking mat. about. I kind of like the air tags idea. My, my partner doesn't listen to the podcast, but she loses her keys all the time. She comes in the house and she puts them down in different places. Me, I'm the guy, keys and wallet go in this box on the shelf, always exactly the same place. So I would get one of these for her right away. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I don't know. This has been a rumor for a while and we keep – seeing suggestions that, oh, yeah, it might be coming. And I've seen people trying to parse the image that was in the Apple announcement about the event next week and saying, oh, yeah, there's a circle right here. And that could be like representing an air tag. I'm like, it's a circle. Come on. Seriously? But, you know, people try to read <laughs> too much into Apple <laughs> announcement emails all the time. So, Well, the high speed is both high, hello speed, and high speed, and high as in hi-fi. That's what I see. Ah. So the HomePod, the headphones, etc. We'll find out next week, and we'll be talking about it on next week's podcast. So until then, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you'd be so kind, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.